Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today we have another special guest with us. He is the Jonesville Police Chief, and right now saying, Mr. Carl Jen, how are you? Doing Doing pretty good. First off, let me say, um, I know we're not all the way at the finish line yet, but congratulations. Um, we still have a ways to go, but first off, tip, kind of tell us a little bit how you feeling right now heading into next week. Carol, I'm feeling, I'm feeling positive about heading into next week, but you never know what the um, citizens are doing or what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. But as for me, I'm feeling positive about next week. Absolutely. And one of the things what really made us want to do this interview as well, everybody needs to know more about what's going on locally in, in the community. And um, I had a good friend spoke to me. He was like, you know, I, I like Carl Jennings from a distance, but I still I want him to speak out more. So this is a chance for people to actually get to know more about you. So starting out, can you tell people a little bit who don't know, like who is Carl Jennings? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a, I'm your average guy next door. That's mm-hmm. who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm very approachable. But like you said, people that don't know me don't know that. Right. But the people who do know me know that I'm a likable person, you know, and, and I'm, Unfortunately, I'm in law enforcement and some people don't, you know, how they perceive law enforcement is like they're, they're unapproachable. Absolutely. And what made you um, talk a little bit about your background, first of all, before I get to my next question. Like, tell us a little bit about, like, how, do you, how you got into law enforcement and your overall history, like your work experience. OK, what I did is um, I graduated in 1990 from junior high school mm-hmm. and then um, I went into the military. I went into I joined the National Guard. And here in Union headquarters, and I went to Fort Dix, New Jersey. And as I was in Fort Dix, New Jersey, I got stop lost mm-hmm. um, when the first desert storm broke out and extended my time past 180 days. So at that point, I become a regular Army veteran. Um, I come back home, and I actually did nine years with the South Carolina National Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, went to work for Nestle Frozen Foods in Gaffney, and I worked there for 12 years. And as I worked for Nestle, I left Nestle and I went to work for the cable industry. And then I met my wife at the time. I actually met my wife at Nestle and then we had a child. So that in turn started letting me know to pick a career path mm-hmm. because the, the mills, the cotton mills, the textile mills in Union were closing down. And, you know, I started looking at a career and I started to think, um, well, I need to get in law enforcement or medical field. Because as I was in the military, a guy, a friend got of mine, he was he was a nurse. He was a male nurse, and he was telling me the benefits of the male nurse and how much they were getting paid. And, and you got to look at it, too, thinking logically, you know, people get sick. So there's a, there's a you know, need for the medical field. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some people just don't learn and people commit crime. So, right. you know, there's a career field for that. So that's what ultimately got me into law enforcement. You know, I was looking for a career path. I had a small child, and you know, I wanted a career instead of just going here and there with jobs. Mm-hmm. And as you worked your way up the ladder, how, how long did it actually take you to, to become the uh, police chief here in Jonesville? Well, I actually went to work for Cherokee County Sheriff's Office um, in 2008 in the detention division. And ultimately worked there for two years and, and got offered a job on the road with Gaffney City. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Gaffney City in 2010 and I worked my way up to being a traffic safety officer and, and various other things in, in Gaffney City. And got offered a job here in Jonesville in 2014. 
and it was closer to home. And that made me make my decision to come back to Union. Um, and they were going to pay more money than what I was making in Gabby City. So that was a no-brainer. I came back to Jonesville. I worked with my chief for about six months, and he got injured in the line of duty. <clears throat> and uh, being my work experience and um, my ethic, work ethic here, um, I got promoted to corporal. And in 2015 of July, my chief had been gone a year, and they appointed me to chief in July 2015. All right. Now, I want to ask you, as a police officer, you know, we, we, we asked the same thing to when we were at Spumberg City Hall when we sat with Chief Thompson and Major Little John and Captain Super um, working in law enforcement. They sometimes get ridiculed and they get called names like a Uncle Tom or a Coon because they're black officers. Have you ever had any kind of any any of that kind of stuff working in law enforcement? Yes, I have experienced that. I have experienced that in Gaffney City. Um, you get called all kind of names, but you got to have thick skin. This is just a profession that you chose to get into. You better be able to handle handle the ridicule and the in the name calling. Absolutely, and it's important for us because, like we're saying, we we need you guys, somebody that looks like us. And like I'll tell you the same thing that I told those gentlemen as well. Is like. I, I don't want to have an encounter with, with law enforcement at all, but if I have to, I just feel more comfortable sitting with a talking to an African-American officer, somebody that looks like me, as opposed to a white officer, because we see time and time again what happens. And it's not all cops, like we, we always say, but we just seen an incident that just lasted this past weekend down in Atlanta where another unarmed uh, black man was, was killed. Even though he ran off with a taser, um, he was running away with the same thing, and we just constantly see these things. So for me... It's like I'm I'm terrified to like just have an encounter with, with law enforcement, but at the same time, we're thankful that you guys do it because we still need somebody that looks like us to, to work in law enforcement. Yes, I'm, I, and, and you know, I've talked to various groups on, on encounters with law enforcement. Um, and you, you and it starts with how you approach someone. I mean, black, white, or indifferent. I mean, if you talk to somebody with respect, they shouldn't fear, you know, the outcome of what's going on. And if you go and talk to somebody, you already created an incident. If you go and hollering and, and carrying on, and, and you know, you already make a situation that's bad for the person who's pulled over by the officer because, you know, their anxiety level is already up. Mm -hmm. And that just makes it bad. So I just tell people, try to educate them on dealing with the encounter with a police officer, you know, just be mindful who you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. But is there a certain technique or, or what should officers do more of? Because like we, we see these things and it's like a lot of times these officers, once they see us for some reason, and like I said, it's not all of them, but it appears that the black man appears as a threat for some reason. We're unarmed. We're just doing, we stop, we, we try to unarm, not doing anything, but it's still at the same time. It's like we constantly see these things where unarmed black men and women are being killed with law enforcement. Like what 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 goes into the training? What what should these officers do as they approach us? Well, I feel this is gonna be my personal feeling on that. Um as for me, I never really had an incident on the road, you know, because I try to treat people with respect. But for some people, they just I, safe to say they're scared. Mm -hmm. And then as it being a black man, they, they have this stereotypical thing of a black male personified in their mind already. Mm -hmm. And then that's where, that's where it's at. We got to look at that. Um, you know, we talk about 
just like we talk about social injustice, and that's one of the things, you know, they look at the black man and they automatically think already that, you know, it's going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not the case. I mean, you got to treat that with baby gloves, kid gloves, that you talk to people just like you want to be talked to, and you'll see how smooth that, that situation can turn out. You know, and, and I can't say for each individual officer, but I know that's, that's my stance on it. When I approach a vehicle, you know, I cite what's going on, let them know where, where I'm stopping them, and then we move on from there. Right. Now, whether they get a ticket or a warning, it dictates by their attitude. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, I, this is one of my other questions where you kind of answer, uh, what, so it, does it depend on, like, tickets? Does that depend on how somebody treats you, or is it just, like, one of those things where they just, you just going to automatically get a ticket, like, how severe is it, or well, what goes into giving well, someone a ticket? A ticket is, um, Okay, the only thing we're doing is enforcing the law. Okay, we're on the mm-hmm. executive branch, and um, and the only thing we do is enforce what the laws that comes out of the state. And um, and if they violating the code of laws, you know per se of what what the actual violation is, that's what it's called for. You know, is either citation, and then it's up to each individual officer whether they issue a ticket or citation or not. You know, mm-hmm. in, in in some cases. If you if you riding um, 15 miles over the speed limit, in my field and my line of work, I'm I'm giving you a ticket because that can be dangerous. That can mm-hmm. be actually dangerous. And it depends on the area you're in. That is actually excessive speed is too much. I want to change gears just a little bit. Um, with so much going on, I know everybody has a lot going on in their communities. But I just want to know from your personal opinion, what's your view of Union County right now? Well, Union County has issues like, you know, other people has issues. Uh, my view on Union County is that we have been, we have had a black eye over Union County for a time now. And um, it stems from everything. It stems from everything. And one of the most notable things that when outside of Union and, and you hear people talk is, is the courthouse, um, the Susan Smith. Mm-hmm. situation you know that's one of the notable things that we're known for and then in like now you know we have a situation with the sheriff office and um it's just it's just too much you know you want you to be proud to say you're from union but then you're reluctant to even speak on it mm-hmm. because people are already you're the butt of the jokes now mm-hmm. and you know that's one of the things that we see going on outside of union i don't know if we see it but you know you hear it mm-hmm. Now, speak, speaking of stuff that's going on at the courthouse, you know, as a dem- Democratic nominee, um, as a candidate, do you worry that, you know, of course, Sheriff Taylor was a Democrat, mm-hmm. uh, Democrat. Do you worry that the allegations surrounding him kind of puts a stain on a Democrat? No, I don't think in a whole it puts a stain on a Democrat. I just think that uh, that's an individual person that has to answer for his individual actions, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it be true, not, you know, any allegations, that's, that's, that's that individual. And I don't think it put a, a, a stain of distrust on the Democratic Party because it's, like I said, it's an individual. Mm-hmm. And it, it comes down to a, accountability, uh, something. we got to figure out a way to hold these people accountable. And it was just something that, that I pulled up. It was just a report. Um, it was on WYFL Channel 4, and they were talking about the Slade investigation um, with Ms. Kim- Kimberly Bailey. With the uh, it was reported by WYFF 
that $76,315 for a sex offender registry was unaccounted for, and then another $50,153 for drug money was un unaccounted for. And this was the part that kind of, that really stuck out to me when Slade interviewed her. They asked, were, other, were others in, engaged in criminal activity? And she went out, she went on to say, not criminal, but immoral. So tell me, how do we hold these people accountable? Because when stuff like this happens, people in the community lose trust in the system. So how do we hold these people accountable when stuff like this happens? So what we have to do is we have to hold them accountable. You can't, you can't sit up here and, and lead by example, so to speak, and then have um, doing stuff. And then when other people are doing stuff, you can't hold them accountable with the fear of backlash on you for doing stuff, you know, immoral, mm -hmm. you know. So what you have to do is you have to lead by example. You have to be, you have to have a sound moral compass and, and you have to let that be shown throughout your department or, or who you, who's working for you. Mm -hmm. So you let them know that this stuff is not allowed, you know, not acceptable at all. Mm -hmm. And it's, do you think it's a matter of, and I know it's not everybody, but it's like kind of to somewhat, to some degree, maybe cleaning house. No, it's not everybody, but it starts at the top. So accountability starts there. Of course, we'll have a new sheriff this year. But how do you plan on fixing it if elected? Like, what's what's the plan? Well, we are held to a high standard. I mean, mm -hmm. and even though it's, key, it's always being said that we are held to a high standard, and we are, because of whether um, people look at you. Mm -hmm. and, and, and just like, let's say, you got to be a like like if you are an athlete, you you are an ideal athlete. You got to be an ideal athlete on and off the court, and that's the same way I feel about deputies or any law enforcement. You got to be a you got to hold that high standard on and off the court. Absolutely, and um, and, and that's what has to be done. We have to have the officers realize that this is career that's being scrutinized and it's being looked at, and you have to hold an exemplary standard. Mm -hmm. You know, regain that trust to people and, and get out in communities and let them, let your voice be heard as well. Talk a little bit about the duties is like as a sheriff. Um, what are they supposed to be doing? Because when 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 this type of money goes missing, that's that's a problem. So what is it that a sheriff is supposed to do in these kind of situations? Of course, we they, they had the investigation. It's ongoing. But what what is a sheriff supposed to do in this situation when when this type of money goes? Well, I, I don't. I'm a chief of police. I don't know what, this, this, but if if money was missing here, it would definitely go, you know, get investigated. You mm -hmm. know, calling somebody to to investigate where's this money going, and once you find out where it's going, you hold those people accountable. I mean, you don't pressure people, but you let the right authorities, you know, investigate and find out where this money's going, and you hold those people accountable. Absolutely. Now, now as a sheriff, do you know if, if you can't answer this? Do you know how how much pull do they have as a, when it comes to education and and uh, job opportunities coming to this well, to the community? I, I've said this in the past. Um, I think that when when a developer come in to look at the county and they they look and see if um the education field is is subpar or up to par. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that determining factor that you know if they have families they don't want them to come to a place that they're failing in the school system. Mm -hmm. Now the sheriff wouldn't have anything to do with that. But on the side of um, when they also come and look at the crime, 
They say, well, if we're going to put a factory here, we want to see, you know, how the crime is here. Now, if you have a law enforcement entity that is in scandal, mm -hmm. then definitely not. I, I really believe that they're looking at those two things. They're looking at education and, and, and the crime. And when you have a law enforcement entity that's that's disheveled, so to speak, they, they don't want a part of it. Absolutely. And when you, kind of going back to the black eye a little bit, I know you said something and I, I want to point it out as well. When we did an interview back in Atlanta, um, back in December, we had Dr. Lakeisha Hallman on, um, owner of the village market. And she asked where we were from. And I told her I'm from Jonesville. I said, you know, it's like right beside Union. And the very first thing she said was, oh, that's where the Susan Smith incident happened. So I was like, yeah, that's that's what that's where it that happened. It took place there. I mean, I was a baby at the time when it happened. But w what would you say? is the biggest problem with Union right now, overall? Well, right now, um, it's been a problem with the drug situation. You know, the war on drugs has been an issue here in Union County. Mm -hmm. um, the unsolved homicides are an issue here in Union County. And 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 here recently is the gun violence here in Union County, mm -hmm. upon mm -hmm. the black community. Uh, we did have a um, incident that happened in Lockhart here in Union County that, that it was two white males, but you know, it's been prevalent right now that the gun violence in Union County between the black males, uh, the black community is, is, is to me, is, is staggering, you mm -hmm. know, from what we didn't have this going on. And um, that's some of the main issues I see right now in Union. Hmm. I think one of the things for me that kind of bothers me is uh, I feel like we're not really doing enough for the youth um, as far as education wise. Um, now, we, of course, we have Little League now, but I still feel like we need more activities for the youth to get into to keep them off the streets. But it seems like we don't have enough. Is there any way that we can bring any, some more of that stuff around to keep kids off the street, get them something to do during the summertime? Because it feels like for so long that it's been kind of like old money, old money in the town where it's family members keeping everything together, like a buddy-buddy system to, to a certain degree. And I feel like now times are starting to change, but we need to keep fighting and we need more stuff for the youth youth involvement. So is there any any other thing that we can do to keep these kids out off the streets? Well, I've said all along that the sheriff's office is a law enforcement entity first. Mm -hmm. And I think that they can use this platform. Sheriff's office can do more to bring the youth together, engage the youth, and, and try to facilitate them with something or work with community leaders to try to facilitate something for the youth because... We actually have nothing in union. Mm -hmm. We have nothing. I mean, you know, you have your, your school sports. I mean, and then what you're going to do after that? Absolutely. I mean, we have absolutely nothing for the youth to do. And I think the platform of sheriff is need to engage the youth. Whether if you start um, some type of uh, activities involving the law enforcement with the, the youth. And, and my impact on the youth here in Jonesville, you know, that's one of the things you got to engage the youth because they are the future. And then when you engage the youth, before they engage you as they get older, you make a positive individual. And I feel that we can change that in Union County with the help of other community leaders and, and sit down and talk about it. Well, we definitely got to have something for the youth to do. Absolutely. And I think we have to reach out to them early because if you wait too, if you wait too long, they, they fear the police officer, and then a lot of people start getting in their ears, and then you hear a lot of things like F the police and stuff like that. Well, so I think you still try to have to get out, like you said, reach out to them and, and try to catch them early. Well, one of the things that, you know, you, you can talk to any law enforcement officer, 
even if you, if, if I was to go into the grocery store and you know how some kids act up when they get into a Walmart or something mm-hmm. and they want, they want a toy or they want something, you, you know how it is, you know, the kid get in there and say, mama, I want this, I want a candy bar or something. And you see the police, what the first thing they do is say, I'm going to have him lock you up. That's the police. And that right. is the wrong thing to do mm-hmm. because some kids get that, they, they're impressionable at the early stage and they, they taking it in. And when they see a law enforcement, they're scared of the law enforcement because they're going to take you away from your mama, you mm-hmm. know? And that's the wrong thing to say to a child because, like, like I said, they're impressed with that age and, and, and they stick with them. And they and we can't have that because they actually believe it. Yeah, so, so, how, so how often as, as an officer would you say you have um, these negative encounters or are you, and are you treated differently when you're not in uniform? No. My tenure in law enforcement, I, I really haven't had no negative encounters because, you know, I try to treat people, you know, like I would want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and you know, you're going to have some people that, that, that don't like you because you're in law enforcement or they have to deal with you on that side. You know, mm-hmm. if you got a ticket from me, I can understand your disdain because you got a ticket from me, you know. But, you know, me as a person, that's my job. That's my career. That's what I chose to do. You know, I chose to get in law enforcement. And if you don't do anything, you don't have any business, then you don't have to worry about it. You right. know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, that, that's just it. I mean, you have a lot of people that dislike law enforcement for one officer, that, you know, like the one rotten apple spoiled the whole right. bunch, you know. And everybody ain't like that. I mean, I can, I can sit here and tell you I work with a great group of guys through my years. And, and and here in Jonesville, what I've tried to do is try to hire like-minded people, mm-hmm. you know, for what the message that I want to get out there to the community that, you know, we're not like that. You know, mm-hmm. if you have to deal with us, you've done something wrong. Absolutely. I want to tie that in, like the encounters with people, um, like sometimes negative encounters with like the voter. Do you worry that just because some people, like you may have given somebody a ticket, do you worry about some of those segment of voters may not vote for you because, well, he gave me a ticket, so I'm not going to vote yeah, for him. Do you, do you worry about that? I, I don't worry about it because, you know, I, I have a job to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you, like I said, if you didn't do anything wrong, then you wouldn't have to worry about us. And that's just, if, if they take it to heart like that, you know, there's nothing I could do about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just their um, mindset. I mean, you know, I can't dwell on that. And I, had, I did a job. Right. And if you feel like you don't want to vote for me because I had to do that job, you know, that's totally up to you. How do you feel about the, the voting process overall? Do you do you think it's fair or do you would you make some adjustments to it? How do you feel about it? Well, what what we did, the voting process now, as of um, June 9th, when I went to vote, um, it, it seems streamlined and it was a whole lot easier. I mean, I didn't see nothing... Um, I thought it was all right. I mean, I don't see nothing that could be changed different. I, they made changes from the last time to this time, and, and it seemed to be streamlined and pretty easy. Because mm. I, I seen people uh, last week, they were saying when they went to the polls that they were asking them, were you Democrat or Republican? And sometimes they were giving some people run around, not necessarily here, but I think some people are maybe saying some stuff like that in Spartanburg. But, but should they even be asking those type of questions when you're going to vote? Well, I think that it, it was a certain thing that was going on with with um, how they was voting, how it was set up, you know, mm-hmm. because some 
you had a Democratic primary, and then you had some people on this side running Republican for something else. So they just want I guess they just want to make sure you got in the right place or, or Okay. You know, when the helper helped them to, to navigate them, because this was a new system they in place this time. Because mm-hmm. and I, I know that some, of course, voter suppression that's been an issue. But if we do come across any of these issues, who who do we contact? Should they be trying to reach out to you or who? No, the voter who? registration office. Voter it's, registration. Yeah, the voter registration office. Is there any specific group for you that you're trying to reach out to, such as maybe like a, the young? The young group or the older group, of course, the youth. We are the we are the future. But is there a specific group that you've been trying to target? For as this in, coming? as in campaigning. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the ones who are a- eligible to vote. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, as in my my message, my mindset is is engaging the youth because engaging. What I've done is I've always been the person outside of law enforcement, outside mm-hmm. of law enforcement before I ever got into our little children. And, you know, I think they are the future, and, and, and they cannot defend themselves. And, and, and my thing is we got to look out for the children. Absolutely. But as a voter demographic, they see my work. You know, mm-hmm. they see what I've tried to accomplish and the message that I want to bring now, and that should extend throughout, you know, all demographics, all ages. Yeah, so uh, let's let's just be honest with with the voting. You know, we're gonna have a segment of people that may vote for you because you're black, and then it may be another group that may not vote for you because you because you're black. Mm-hmm. And then it's gonna be some people that's gonna be like straight down the middle. So what what do you say to those people who are like down the middle? They just want the best candidate. What do you say to those people? Because there's really nothing you can do about those that may not vote for, to, for you because you're black. Right. Just say pick the best person that you want to listen to the message and. With the person you think is best for the job. Yeah, so, and as far as like the voter, is it is it too late for registration? Like, is it too late for those people, or do they still have time? To- if they, if they, you have to be registered to vote with thirty days. Thirty, okay. Thirty days. Um, so they can go and get registered and vote in November. Mm-hmm. But for this time, for the primary and the runoff, they can't. They can't register to vote. So what do you plan on doing leading up to the election? Do you plan on doing something different from the first from last week or what do you plan on doing? Just trying to get out and um talk to some more people and and try to, you know, let people know some people have a misconception that the only vote is November vote. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't they need to know that they had a primary, now it's a runoff. They they just need to know that they need to get out and vote. It's you know it's important that they need to know that these steps are needed or need to be taken. That's just not the general election in November. You know, you had your primaries and now we have a runoff. We just need to let, let them know that they need to get out and vote. Absolutely. Now, a lot of times, let's see, during election time, it's dream selling season. So people will say whatever just to get in office and sometimes they'll bash other candidates that's running. But what and I'm not asking you to bash anybody, but what separates you from your other candidate? Well, the only thing that would separate me from the other candidate is that I have um, passion and ambition for a better union. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that I have something to offer Union County that that I've tried to do here in Jonesville. I just want to extend it out to Union County. Because I've sat back and looked, and my hands are tied at things that's going on in Union County because I'm here in Jones. 
Mm-hmm. And I just want to extend that um, compassion and that, that love for the county throughout the county. I want, I, want to, I want the Union County citizens to have a better law enforcement entity um, in the sheriff's office. That's basically it. Got a few more questions and then we'll, we'll get ready to wrap it up. I want to change the uh, subject again once again, but it's only right with everything going on. I want to ask you about this social injustice and what are your thoughts on everything because the George Floyd incident, I, I, the George Floyd incident, I feel like it was was groundbreaking. I think it, it started to open a lot of people's eyes, and it, we're starting to see some change. A lot of laws being made now, and a lot of protests going on. Um, not with just us, we will see we see uh, white people also protesting with us. But how do you feel about the social um, injustice? Like, what what do you tell these officers with everything going on? You know, just. Be mindful of, of how you treat people. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we still, you, you got to look at it that the schools were desegregated in 1968. That was 52 years ago. So we mm-hmm. still young to the fact that you still have racism. Absolutely. That's only 52 years. Mm-hmm. We are young. We are still young to the fact of, of, of black and whites coming together or any other nationality. Even though we we don't want to see that, but that is a fact, you know. It ain't like we in the hundred years, you know. Mm-hmm. Now I can say in a hundred years you'd be like, oh, this shouldn't be going on. But like I said, fifty-two years, you gotta think that when when they brought black and whites together, um, and the officers, they just need to be mindful and respectful to you know because ultimately you work for the citizens. Mm-hmm. And you just can't go out there and, and treat anybody. It's just unbearable sometimes of the stuff that I see that happens in law enforcement and, and, and citizens because we shouldn't we shouldn't act that way. I mean, you know, you have intense situations, but you've been trained to deal with that. Use your training how you're supposed to use your training, and you won't fall victim to this scrutiny, you know, the, the stuff that's going on. Or be the person that they talking about. Absolutely, because I, I got to be honest. When I seen the George Floyd incident, it was it's it's hard. It's still hard to watch. I think I've only watched it twice, but the way that they use force and and the other officers held him down, it's like that was too much. And and to see how they did that man, it, it was just like it was uh, necessary. There was not no training. We in South Carolina Criminal Justice Academy, we are not trained like. Is, I have an issue with it because he was no longer a threat, and and you still treated him like a threat. Mm-hmm. And 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 just the knee the knee situation is is no, we weren't trained like that, so that should have never been happening. And and like I said, um, for people to sit there and watch unjust happen and not say anything or try to intervene, you just as guilty as a perpetrator. Absolutely, and one of the things that I I tell people all the time, like, well, I love to read a lot. And I remember um, reading autobiography from Malcolm X. One of the things he said is, how can we, as a black man, fight for civil rights when we first don't have human rights? And watching that video, they didn't treat him like a human. They just treated him just like a piece of trash. Anything, he just had his knee on it. It's like, this yeah. kind of stuff is is not, not acceptable in our community. Again, we still a young nation. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I ain't making no excuses for nobody. I, I don't think it's right, you mm-hmm. know. But still, in the mindset of some people, 
that, you know, we shouldn't be living in a time of racism mm -hmm. because the people who have lived in racism are almost gone. Absolutely. So now it's being taught. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, that, like this officer, I don't know nothing about him, but, you know, that's instilled in him, you know, and he, he should have had the, the right frame of mind to know that this wasn't right. And if the man, one one mayor said, if you if you can talk, you can breathe. That's, it's, that's it's stuff the, that's ingrained. It's, that's, not the, that's not the issue. I mean, you hollering out for your life. You know, you 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 feel like you an impending doom. Of course, you're going to scream and holler whatever you can do to get out your last message. You know, and that's what I feel he was doing. He was he was letting him know I can't breathe, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, like I said, I feel to me, it just goes back to just looking at a, a black man as a as a threat for some reason in handcuffs. It's like what else? What else can he do? And you see things like that, unarmed and black, and he dead again. And then we don't know the mindset of the officers. Just like other things came out, they was working as bouncers together at a, at a, at a place. So they could have had some strife, and that played out into that, too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a whole lot of variables. But at the end of the day, that was completely wrong how he treated it. And then, like I said, it, it felt like it was personal. Mm -hmm. To, to do did. somebody that type of way, it, did. it, it, had, it did. had to be personal. But my thing is the officers that standing around looking, and they know they ain't the type of training. They probably not know the backstory about between them two, but still, that was just negligence on their part just to allow that to go on. Absolutely. A couple more questions, and then we'll get ready to wrap it up. So what do you feel like the officers need to do? Um, do you think they need more training in the communities to be more, uh, I guess, have a better relationship with the people that they're uh, policing overall? I think the officers do need to be out in the communities and have a better relationship with the community. Mm -hmm. Because, see, what, what happens when you get out in the community and, and, and you're talking with the people, people begin to trust you. Because, you know, just like, let's say stranger danger. If, if you in the car and then they don't know you, you don't know them, they're reluctant to speak to you. But if you get out there and break that ice and you talk to that individual and you build a relationship with, with the community, then they're more apt to talk to you. They're more apt to give you information that you probably wouldn't get by sitting in the car. You definitely got to get out of the community and um, build that trust, build that relationship back with. Absolutely. And, and kind of going back to, to what happened to George Floyd, officers, we say it all the time, we feel like you guys need to speak out more. I'm not saying that y'all don't do it, but officers, we need to see more officers speaking out against the bad ones because they put you, your lives in danger when they when they do that, do those exactly. type of things. Exactly. But we don't all the time, we don't always see officers speak out against them for some for some odd reason. Because it, you know, some type of code of silence, and some officers just just feel like if if they speak out against an injustice, that they will be marked as you know, snitch rat, and then they be treated different, and, and inside the the facility, and and won't get help, you know, because if somebody we ain't seen this thing. If somebody goes to tell on the officer, then they might be in a pinch their self, and then they might the officer might say, "Well, he's in trouble. We're gonna take our time getting to him." Mm. You know, it, it's just that's how things are. This is reality here. So that's why they don't say anything to keep themselves out of trouble. You know. But see, that's that's so dangerous it's to, very to know dangerous. It's very to know that you have these kind of people working in law enforcement. So that kind of goes back to. The training in the, in the background, like 
officers. It, it, it is so many variables to this, you know, and I'm I'm the one that that if I see something wrong, I'm like, you ain't supposed to do that. You know, mm-hmm. that ain't that ain't how that's supposed to be done. You know, we wouldn't train like that. You know, because I, I value I value life. You know, I value life, that's humanity, right. and, and and that's one thing. I'm here to preserve life best possible. That's my job. You know, even though I have to do a job, I have to do a service. I'm here to preserve life. Ultimately, that's that's my job. Absolutely. I, w- I want to get your opinion on something that's, else that's been talked about as well. It's like the the defunding the police officers, like the police departments. What are you, what are your thoughts? Because I think people are are misunderstanding it. I think they're thinking that they're saying we should just completely just do away with police. That's not how I interpret it. But what are your thoughts on what this this going on with like defunding the police? Well, from my understanding, defunding means taking away money from. It. Mm-hmm. All right, and then in turn that 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 you won't you won't have that level of um how would I say it? you won't have that level of um for police experience. I mean, you they start defunding the police, that's gonna cut back on police. Mm-hmm. You know, they define the, the payroll. Um, that means less officers mm-hmm. or better equipment to to really the officers that really need to help you to have. Mm-hmm. You know, if they start defunding the police, it's gonna be it's gonna be worse on the citizens than the police department mm-hmm. because then they won't have the equipment to help you. But say they take away some of the money, but from what I was seeing, what they were saying, some ideas was if you take a little bit away. And then you reallocate it to the communities. That way, you have more resources for the communities. Maybe, possibly, try to create jobs or anything. Would that help? Kind of keep crime keep crime down just a little bit instead of like because I think people were just saying when they say uh, defund means just completely just wipe away with them, and that's not the case. No, that, that wouldn't be good for that wouldn't be good for the nation. Exactly, it wouldn't be good for the nation because you think that the looting and stuff in, in, in light of the George Floyd situation. Um, you just think of all the other crimes that's going to escalate and yeah. start wiping out police. Absolutely. So, uh, like I said, we we definitely need you guys. We appreciate you. But the few that that do these things make it look bad for everybody. Yeah, exactly. That's why we said. We, exactly. So we need officers to speak out, not just the black police officers. We, we need the white voices, those powerful voices to speak out against it as well because a lot of people don't want to acknowledge it. But I, people are acknowledging it a lot more now. Mm-hmm. But it's still we still have some that that don't want to acknowledge it. Uh, racism is still alive, mm-hmm. and we need we still have to we need to dismantle it as much as we can. But we need, still need as, as many black voices we have speaking out against it. It's just as important to have those white voices speak out against it as well in law enforcement and in the community overall. Mm-hmm. But my final question before we get ready to wrap it up, before we get to next Tuesday, what would you say is your final message to the people um, listening? Um. I'm- need y'all to get out and vote. If you want change, get out and vote. But if you have an issue, and if you don't get out and vote and you, and you want um, the person that you don't want in office, and when something goes wrong or, you know, that you don't like, you don't have um, you don't have the right to put your two cents in. Absolutely. So that means, you you know, if you want change, if you want, if you want the candidate that you really want in there, you need to get out and vote. Absolutely. Thank you, uh, Chief Janice. Thank you for your time. Um, good luck next week. It's going to be another busy week. Um, 
don't let it stress you. I, I know mm-hmm. it's I know it's gonna be a it's a, been a it's been a roller coaster. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but we'll, but thank you for all you do. Thank you for everybody here that's doing their job. Thank you for all for keeping us safe. And like we said, it's it's not all of you, it's just those few that make it hard for 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 the rest of you guys. But thank you for your job. Good luck next week. And hopefully everybody enjoyed this interview. You took something away from it. Please go out and vote because times are really changing. Change is coming. Um, Everybody's voices need to be heard. So you have a chance next Tuesday and then again in November to let your voice be heard. So until next time, keep chasing your dreams. This is Across the Line Podcast. Thank you for listening.